Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that there is more to confidence in the bedroom or the kitchen or the sex club or a stairwell or the woods or wherever you are. There's so much more to sex wherever you do it than just jackhammering away. But if all you're missing in your relationship is some mutually beneficial stiffness, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office with the doctors that never got trained in sex ed and how to talk to people about it, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They say that there is nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. Of course, I know you sweet listeners know that using confidence to connect, if you can be confident enough to be really vulnerable with someone, to communicate, to create a safe space that you occupy together, that is super hot. That's the foundation of a connection. And if you have a boner, that can definitely help you do certain things that you know that I love, just as long as you don't skip all the other stuff too. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. And as they say, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER. At checkout, you just pay $5 shipping. That is bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wyoli, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we spread ripples of love across the world together by opening up conversations about sex so we may feel more confident in our personal pursuits of pleasure and connection. Our guest today is a 28-year-old monogamous pansexual cis femme who is single. She is into receiving foot worship, latex, rope, both suspension and bondage, receiving bouquets of beautiful flowers, and being flown all over the world for dates. A sex worker based in Chicago, welcome Isabella Bloom! Hi! Isabella, can you please start out by telling us, if you had to rate yourself today on a sexual shameometer with 10 being the most full of shame and 1 being I'm totally shame-free, where do you fall today right now? I would say today's actually a really good day. I'm on a 1. Totally shame-free. Yeah. I love that. Okay. When, <laughs> if ever, does it fluctuate for you? It fluctuates every day. <laughs> <gasps> really? Okay. In All what context? Time. Why? Yeah. I don't know. I just, I think it just depends. Like, I think some days maybe I feel there's so many things that go into like, you know, sex and how you feel about yourself and how you relate to that. And it could be, you know, self-image, esteem, you know, just how you're feeling that day, mentally, emotionally, maybe something like an interpersonal. So like, it's just really, for me, it's all over. And I kind of just let it, like, I, I'm very accepting of the fact that maybe some days I'm going to be very, I don't know, I guess for lack of a better word, prude and just want to be like, you know, no sex for me. And then other days I'm like ravenous with hunger and I'm, you know, pouncing on everybody. <laughs> so I think it's just, you know, it just ebbs and flows. <laughs> I love that. When do you feel the sexiest? When do you feel the most ravenous with hunger? For me, it's when I can like really tap into my silly side. 
like when I feel really comfortable and I feel like I can just like be myself and be a little silly and like, you know, I feel good about my body. I feel, you know, like my body doesn't ache or, you know, I feel like movement feels good. I put on a really hot outfit, maybe my favorite shade of lipstick, you know. (laughs) What would you say today is your favorite thing about sex? Well, I mean, everything. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, all of it. (laughs) I think connecting with other people and yourself, to me, it feels so intimate. Even if you're not, you know, like in love with the other person or you don't have that particular bond, like in and of itself, to me, it's such an intimate thing. And I love being able to like share that with other people and explore somebody else and explore myself by doing that. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you feel this way, but I definitely feel one of the things that I love about being a sex worker is just connecting with so many different energies. It's like unique flavors. Yes, it's amazing. I'm fortunate every day that I get to meet people and connect with them in a way that I would have never been able to if I didn't do what I did. Yeah. So I would love to hear your opinion. Big question, no pressure. What do you think we need to make the world a more loving place? That's. I think that's so complicated, but it's simple. I think it's just kindness, you know? Like, are you being kind to yourself? Like, yeah. do you wake up and like, is the first thing you think a negative thing? about like yourself or about the day or are you like always kind of combating like what society and maybe like the voices of like our parents or like other formative voices in our life like what are they saying or are we like combating that with like our own like validation and like kindness and like growing off of that so because I think if you're kind to yourself then you're kind to other people yeah what a practice too I think that's definitely my first layer of filter for allowing new humans into my life too like is kindness and respect there? If yes, pass, go. Yes. Move on. Proceed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell us now what officially counts as sex for you in your mind? Wow, that's hard. Because I've had full-on experiences with people where we didn't even kiss. And I was like, we just had sex. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I don't, yeah. Wait, do you mean that in the literal sense? Like, because I now have had sex with, I actually like having oh, sex well, with people without yeah, kissing but, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, not, like, not even, like, we oh, I see touch what you're each saying. other. I yeah, it's like, we just had this, like, Erotic brain connection. Oh, brain yeah. fucking? Brain fucking. Yeah. <gasps> Ooh. <laughs> I know that's definitely not in line with your very classy branding, but like... No, but like, yeah. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. Well, I think because, well, a lot of what I do is I sit across the table at a beautiful restaurant with this like gorgeous dining, tasty menu and we're indulging all of our senses, right? Such a turn on. Sight, smell, taste, you know, and the person sitting across the table from me, most of the time we get to indulge in each other and really just like dig into each other's brain and like learn so much about each other and that to me is like very sexual and very erotic so yeah yeah. I'm gonna jump ahead and ask you a question that is based on one of my personal fantasies since you have I assume experience with foot worshipers so first I'm gonna tell you my fantasy and you can tell me if you've ever done something like this so badly I would like to go on a dinner date with someone who has a foot fetish to a place that has like white linen tablecloths and I want to play footsie with them underneath the table all dinner long. Have you done something like this? 
I've definitely played a lot of footsie with people <gasps> out of dinner. Amazing. So <laughs> that's amazing. With people who have foot fetishes, mm-hmm. do they get crazy turned on? What is it like? Yeah, it's oh it's very fun. <laughs> Literally living my dream. I love that. I've been at restaurants before where it's either like across the table, and I'm like you know, I'll take off my heel and I'll kind of like inch my foot closer to like their area and like tease them. And I've also not at restaurants, but just either maybe actually it has been at a restaurant before, but also just like at home and stuff where like while we're eating or doing something, I'm just like sitting next to the person and I'm just putting my feet into their lap and kind of like playing and like moving around. Yeah. It's oh, a lot of fun. <laughs> you have so to do it. Cool. I want to so bad. I just need to find the right partner. Okay, tell us now what is sexy to you, Isabella? I would have to say communication yes. and honesty. Generosity is very sexy to me. One of the things that I always remember the most whenever I've been on a date that turns me on to outside of the bedroom is how they treat other people that don't owe them anything. Mm. So when they're so generous to like a random person on the street or, you know, whoever, if we're at dinner, like the wait staff, whoever it is, I'm like sitting across the table, like, I'm going to eat you up. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's very sexy. Yeah. <laughs> Such a good point. You are reminding me. So, one of my lovers over the summer, I'm realizing that that's exactly why I'm so turned on by them because it's just such a huge, generous spirit. And when I see them appreciating other people, I'm like, oh, I'm going to appreciate the fuck out of you later. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So tell us now what sort of sex talk, sex ed, consent education, et cetera, if any, did you receive growing up? Well, I went to Catholic private school growing up. Oh, tell us more. So if that, so if that tells you anything, no. So yeah, my sex education, you know, in my formative years was next to nothing. The first thing we ever had in a school setting was in middle school and it was a abstinence event. I don't know. It was like a field trip. Like we went to this other place and there was like a big presentation of abstinence. And by then I had already had sex. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> yeah. And I was bullied by everyone because people knew that. But like my classmates were like, basically like I was like, you know, the Scarlet A mm. or whatever, you know, and mm. I was just like, I'm like, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> okay. So you knew um, at you an will early see age. when you do it. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even though I didn't have a lot of education around like anything that involved like sex positivity or like sex safety, I definitely knew from a very young age when I was being like taught abstinence or like sex shame that was like, that's kind of weird. Like, why would we do that? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I didn't like have the words to like combat it, but like intrinsically I knew like, no, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's a little off. It's kind of incredible. And then in high school, we had like health class, but it wasn't health class. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember ever getting an explicit lesson about consent? Because I didn't even start hearing about it until all the meetings. Okay. Okay. Not you too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we grew up in a time where that wasn't talked about the way it is talked about now. Right. I don't know when it changed. Maybe like in the mid 2010s is mm-hmm. when I started to hear about consent. 
as like a concept and like that was, you know, but prior to that, I don't think it was talked about. At least I don't remember it being really talked about amongst my peers or anything like that. So yeah, it definitely did not enter my personal sphere until I was fully an adult. Like, you know, yeah, same. Yeah. (laughs) What would you say your best qualities are as a lover? Oh, this is a cute question. (laughs) I would say I'm very attentive. Mm -hmm. And I think I have a very soft touch. And like, I think a lot of the times the feedback I get from partners is that my touch and presence is like, very warm and healing and nice to be around. Oh, I think I'm also very generous in bed. So (laughs) (laughs) can you tell us a little bit about what your sex life is like right now and your favorite parts? I'm having sex all the time. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> I was going to be like, I'm having sex right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Someday we'll be doing those interviews. It's just not this one yet. <laughs> that is the next goal for sex stories. Like literally next I'm like, all right, I got to find everyone who wants to do OnlyFans with me and we'll do the interviews and then we'll do the combined version. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It's I really what that. I want to do. I just did a month of edging all September long. So I didn't come all of September, but I did masturbate for OnlyFans every day. I was going to do six to nine minutes, but I ended up doing like 10 to 15 minutes. And it was so hot. And I talked the whole way through. I don't stop talking. And I'm like, I would love to find people who would let me do this while we're fucking. You know, I'm like, that would be, that would be really fun. Yeah. yeah. Even I if it's just that. sensation play or toys or explorations, like, you know, because it's my educational mission and my curiosities. So I love that you have sex all the time. That's amazing. Wait, but tell us like, Daily, more than once a day, like specifics. It varies. So I guess it's hard to say like an average Mm -hmm. because sometimes there is like a period where maybe I'm not Mm -hmm. really having sex. Okay. You know, I think just like, you know, when we talked about the meter of like one to 10 of shame, I think that's also tied into my libido. So sometimes I'm not feeling sexual or in the mood to have sex. So then there's like a period of time where I'm not really doing much but then I find like other parts of my life obviously like you know as one thing goes up the other thing goes down you know as it goes or they all go up at the same time and then I'm like running around like crazy person like doing everything and anything yeah I really feel that (laughs) can I ask how is that for you having fluctuations since sex is part of your work I think at this point in my career and in my personal life I've become very accepting and accustomed to it I just know what to do and how to get myself in the mood. And I think with work specifically, I have such a ritual around, you know, getting ready for work. And like, there's such a ritual to it that that gets me in the mood, even if I'm not in a period where maybe I feel as sexual. Mm. So I can like harness it when needed. Also, this is totally a projection based question, but I have finally started to admit out loud that I have a money kink and receiving money absolutely turns me on because it's a concrete show of value. And especially between the podcast and between my own personal history of relationships, there's so many times where I love to be generous. I give, 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 give. And so many people are just takers. It took me years to figure out the imbalance that was happening in my life. Do you also experience turn on from receiving concrete shows of appreciation of energy? I definitely do. Yeah. Like literally exactly what you said is also my experience where I'm a huge giver. And like, I also noticed, you know, not recently, but you know, like a while ago, I realized like, oh, like, 
I'm giving and people are taking, but there's an imbalance and like, how can I balance that out? And Mm. so now I'm more conscious about, you know, like giving and then allowing to receive. That's a big thing. Like allowing the room for reception is something that I think some people need to learn and other people just are, you know, intrinsic to it. Yeah. I'm definitely, I definitely needed, yeah, I'm still learning. I definitely needed to learn like how to receive. And not feel the need to give in return or or at all, you know. It feels good to know that I'm appreciated and have that concrete thing that shows that, that like gives value to me, whether it's like money or gifts or whatever it is. So, yeah, I think we're both in a great line of work then. (laughs) 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 You know. (laughs) So I would actually love to hear do you have any wisdom on your process around receiving? Like what kind of opened that up for you? I think it comes from an awareness, right? Because you don't notice it until you're aware of it. And to become aware of it for me, it was through therapy and realizing why I feel the need to give and where that comes from. Like I think now I'm at a place where when I give, it's because I just want to give And before, you know, years and years ago, I think it came from a place of like, I need to give to this person to prove my worth and Mm -hmm. to feel worthy. And like for this person to value me, I have to give them something. And Mm -hmm. now it's more so like, no, like I am worthy just being (laughs) and I have value just being here and being me so I can give detached from that and just to show appreciation for another person. And then in that space where I'm maybe not so much, it almost feels like a frantic anxiety when, you know, like back in when I would be giving to like prove something or whatever. And now that that's not there, there's all this space for allowing other people to just like come to you and just give you things or whatever it is, or just give and you can just accept it. It's very nice. Beautiful. So it was a whole process, lots of therapy yeah, yeah. <laughs> and trial and error. It's a constant learning. <laughs> right, right. And maybe lifelong for me. I don't know. I feel like I go through waves and fluctuations. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I'm really good. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm, you know, it's like the moment you say that you're perfect at it and you've got it. That's when like something happens and you're like, oh no, I have so much to learn still. It's basically like relapsing in a sense. You're like, I've relapsed. I've done thing that I'm trying not to do anymore. But sure, sure. Well, I also think of it as spirals, right? It's like we're learning a little something new every time and like hopefully receiving a little bit more or in a slightly newer different way. Although I definitely have days where I'm like, damn it, that's the same exact pattern. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a story or an example of a moment where there was like a clear, explicit yes that was really sexy? I have so many. <laughs> I will pick one. Just one for now and then we can get into more later. Yeah. yeah. I would say so many of my experiences, professional and personal, have that. Some of my favorites are whenever someone wants to try something new, maybe that they haven't tried it before. A lot of the times I think it has to do with feet. (laughs) I can see you very excited right now. (laughs) I really want to ask about foot jobs and are you good at them and do you have wisdom about foot jobs? Very I am very good at them. (laughs) I like doing them. It's so much fun. How do you do them? What makes you good at them? I think what makes a person really good at it is obviously 
communication. And then the other thing is being creative because there's so many different ways you can be positioned, like you and the other person. It is kind of a workout. Like you're really like, depending on what position you're in, the person doing the foot job is like getting a lower abdomen workout. I'm like doing ab crunches basically with my legs. Well, my lazy version, I also have really long legs, but my lazy version, if the other person is the right size, I put them, if they're a penis owner, I put them in my lap and I put the legs around and then I make them hold the feet and do the motion. And that's really fun for both of us. I haven't done that yet. I will do that. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have the right body shapes. You know what I mean? And that's the other cool thing is like so many different sizes and shapes have fun overlap. Yeah. But it's usually foot related. It's usually like asking if I can do like a foot job or like putting my feet in their mouth or like getting really excited and saying like, I want you to do this. And like, you know, will you do it? And I'm like, yes, of course. You know, (laughs) it's hot. (laughs) I like being asked like anything, you know, I also have like, I love like when I'm on a date and someone is like, can I kiss you? And I'm like, Mm. that's like, I'm like, of course. Ooh, <laughs> now you're going to get the best kiss of your life. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite style of kissing? I love all of them. Oh, I love I kissing. It depends on the so, moment. Okay. Yeah, okay. I think it depends on the moment. And I love kissing. And I think I love – my favorite type of kissing is kissing that starts small and then, like, progresses. Mm. Like, I love starting from a very, like, small, like, pecs, just, like, little kisses, like, no tongue just kind of like being very soft, like feeling each other and then like letting it build. That's I love so doing that. Oh, I love, yeah. that. Oh, I love <laughs> that. Also forehead kisses. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> I love, so I'm a big fan personally of, I love eyebrow kisses. I don't know. Eyebrows oh, and like, they so re- cute. I used to have a boyfriend that would kind of like nibble my eyebrow and like, I love to just like smooch someone else's eyebrow. It's like very, very sweet to me. And I'm a big fan of little nose kisses always. Of course. (laughs) I would love it if you could take us through your formative sexual timeline and you can work, work in work however you please, but maybe like hit the formative moments starting with what do you first remember hearing about sex or thinking about it? Like when did it enter your sphere of awareness? Oh my gosh, I was such a naughty child. Well, okay. So I was exposed to sexual things at a very young age. I don't know why it was like this, but I think my father just didn't really think much about it, but he would always play like all the movies he liked to watch and all the shows and like the places he enjoyed going were like very sexual. And so like, I was like very young watching Austin Powers and like, you know, very sexual, like funny, funny movies too, but like very sexual things and So I just never thought anything of it. And I just remember like, you know, of course there's the classic Barbie, you know, I'm taking my Barbies and I'm like, Uh, me too. (laughs) I'm like having all sorts of weird, somehow Ken is always in the corner watching and then there's the five other girl Barbies and they're all, you know, it's very specific. Um, (laughs) So that was like when I was very young. So as I got older and was, you know, teenager, preteen era, I started to realize like, oh, I'm being noticed in this way. And I'm also having these feelings. When you're a teenager, your hormones are like, I don't think mine ever went away, but you know, you've got the crazy teenage hormones. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the newness, the newness on top of everything. What is this feeling? (laughs) Yeah, I love, okay, so a little sidebar. 
So sometimes with like partners, like I've, <laughs> I've been on dates before, like on a first date and like, we're about to have sex and I'm like, be careful. I'm a virgin. <laughs> How I'm many like, times have you done like, that? Be gentle. I do it a lot. Oh, that's <laughs> so funny. Wait, do they they get it's a joke or do they? Yeah. Okay. Oh no, they get it's a joke, and I think they really like it. They're like, they're like, oh, I'll be gentle. That's so, <laughs> that's so sweet. Nurture it me. Is really sweet. Nurture yeah. Me. <laughs> so I love you know that feeling. You saying the newness made me think of that because I yeah. love that. Even still today, I feel like I try to incorporate that into yeah. my sexual experiences. But yeah, so I think when I was a teenager, I was just bad. I was sneaking out of the house. I was at the beach. I grew up in Florida. Okay. So I'd be like at the beach in Florida having sex with my boyfriend and like, yeah, okay. <laughs> doing all sorts of crazy things. Yeah. I mean, is there anything specific that you feel like sharing with us from those times? Like I love to hear formative like kisses or fucks or oral stuff or hand stuff. Like what kind of like shaped you in those younger years that feels relevant to share? A lot of dry humping. Love dry humping. (laughs) I know. It doesn't get talked about enough, I don't think. Not enough. We're changing. I know. It's like something that like I used to do a lot as a teenager and now I try to incorporate it with people because that's such like a hot moment when you're in that foreplay. Yeah. Or I also love to grind on people's legs or I'll take off my panties or I'll get wet through my panties and like rub on a leg if I'm going down on someone or something. Like I love having that stimulation. So I've brought humping and grinding in. Yes, all of those things. Yeah. So I did a lot of that as a teenager. Let me think. Well, do you want to share your sexual debut story? Yeah, I can. So it was with my boyfriend at the time when I was a preteen. I think I was 13. It was while his parents were out of town. So I went over to his house and it was really cute. He was such a little romantic. He like had me come over and I think he was like already in the shower and he put like a rose petals and like had me meet him in the shower and we like took a shower together. Then we ended up in his bedroom and most of the sex was him trying to fit it inside me. Okay. <laughs> Cause like, I didn't know, like, you know, neither of us had the sexual education that we probably needed. So, you know, they're fitting it in and foreplay and things like that. We just didn't understand, but it was really cute. I remember that I had to go buy the condom. <gasps> you did. <laughs> and they sold it to you. <laughs> yes, oh, they did. I, well, I don't think there's like a age. Is there like an age restriction for condoms? I don't know now. I definitely have been to pharmacies where they had to unlock them for me. And I don't know if that has to do that's I should know the answer to that question. Yeah, I don't I actually don't know. That's something I'd be curious to know because I remember just like going into like Publix and grabbing a box of condoms and going to check out. I also will say like by the time I was 13, I was like C cup boob, like five, seven. I'm like five, nine now. So I was basically like fully grown by the time I was 13. So a lot of people thought I was much older. So that could also contribute to why they sold me gotcha. the condoms. I don't know. But maybe there also isn't an age restriction or at the time there wasn't because this was like 15 years ago. Okay. okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> wow. But it was very sweet. Yeah. And then after that, we were having lots of sex. Okay. All the time. Nice. So it went well. Like you, you like it went figured well, it out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think the first time was just really sweet and endearing because I think like most of it was just like trying to <laughs> get it, get the penis to go inside. Yeah, yeah. But it was very cute. 
So on that note of condoms, what are your conversations about health and safety like with partners these days? I mean, I always have those conversations with people. So I'm always kind of just like, you know, like, when were you last tested? And like, you know, condoms always, unless it's like a long-term trusted partner. When I collaborate with people for content, we usually exchange most recent testing info and stuff. I've like collaborated with people and we didn't use like condoms, but we exchanged you know, all our recent testing info and stuff. So I think it just depends. Yeah. Depends on like if it's like for content or personal, but I think it's important to talk about it. I'm very lucky that most of the people I meet, they're very like pro, like want to talk about those things before we even, you know, start doing anything. So yeah, good, good overlaps of people. What else from your formative years are stories that stand out or things that kind of like shaped your current sexual identity? So when I was in high school, I dated somebody for about two years. And he actually, it's so interesting because I didn't have a lot of, like, I talked about how I had a lot of exposure to all of these sexual things growing up, but I didn't have a lot of exposure to pleasure in the terms of like a vagina and like mm. how to masturbate or like how to orgasm for like someone who has a vagina or a vulva or whatever. And so those are things that I never did. I didn't actually have a lot of like self-exploration in that way before being with partners. That actually came later for me. I actually had a lot of sexual partners before I ever had like a clitoral orgasm. Wow. So I had a boyfriend in high school. I think this was like very early on into our relationship, but he started to do stuff to my clitoris. And I was like, whoa, like, cause I've never been touched there. And I was like, oh, like, whoa, what are you doing? <laughs> and he was like, and he was like, it's okay. <laughs> okay. And like, he helped me orgasm. And that was the first time that I ever orgasmed clitorally. <gasps> Fuck yeah. yeah. Oh, what a And it was amazing. Thing. After that, I was like, we're always doing that. Yeah. More. <laughs> always. I was like all the time. And then, you know, I was already like very high sex drive and that just like skyrocketed it. I was like, oh, he was also the first person that I was intimate with that started to incorporate like toys mm. and like he also bought like, you know, that sex furniture that like looks like a wedge and then you like open it up oh, and like, yeah. I'm sure you, yeah, you're like, you're like, well, let me grab it. <laughs> but he had one of the, he like bought one of those for us. And I'm like, we're 16. Oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> it's cute though. I love him. It's, yeah, it was really cute. So I think he was like very formative. I was going to say, what a high bar. Yeah. He would like, he bought me toys. He bought like furniture for us. He was like very exploratory and like very sexually free and like communicative and he also would buy me lingerie. What a good boy. <laughs> Which I was like, oh, that's something you can do. Yeah. And then from then on, it was like changed how I had relationships with people. So, yeah, he was great. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And then I think another very formative moment for me was when I was in college, I had a partner and we were just in the middle of sex and they just took my foot and they put my toes in their mouth. And I was like, I like this. <laughs> what, are, what are you doing? It was like, oh, yeah. So that was like the first time I have experienced anything with feet. And I was like, do it again. 
Yeah. And then from there, we were doing all the all the foot stuff. Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that the foundation to an awesome sex life is excellent mental and physical health. But if proper rest, exercise and a healthy lifestyle aren't leading to the blood flow you'd like when and where you'd like it, check out BlueChew.com. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And the process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with awkward physicians who aren't trained to talk about sex lives, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They always say first impressions are important, but what about lasting impressions? Lovers, I do believe that we can always make loving, lasting impressions by connecting and being present and chasing our pleasure and our partner's pleasure. And if your priority is making a deep, deep impression between two beautiful, enthusiastic thighs or cheeks in the name of partnered pleasure, I get it. I've worn a strap on now. I, too, love having a hard cock. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That is BlueChew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. So your feet aren't ticklish or are they or does it depend? It depends. I would say most of the time they're not very ticklish, but sometimes I have a few partners that I've been with who they know how to make me ticklish. Okay. Because otherwise I'm not a very ticklish person. Like you could tickle me or try to tickle me on like my body and it's like not really. So it doesn't really work. (laughs) My my ticklishness seems to be related to how aroused I am, like where I am in arousal. Do you notice any patterns for yourself? I do. Yeah, because I would say if someone just tries to like come up and tickle me, I'm like – doesn't you know but if we're in the middle of stuff for sure like my feet are ticklish okay the more aroused i get the more hypersensitive i get in all forms and sometimes if i come really hard i like need the lights to go off or i need to cut the music or whatever and i'll be like just let me lay or squish me or something so yes i've experienced that as well i actually had that experience yesterday where i like immediately was like i'm dead i can't move so you're just gonna have to finish and I'll amazing. just lay here <laughs> amazing I love that that's so hot I do love it when I'm like that much of a mush and I'm with a partner I obviously trust and they just still keep fucking me too that is yeah. so hot for me like it's because I also have like some statue stuff or like dollification like I'm just like let me just be here and like receive like that's really hot yes oh, wow. I like that too yeah that also for me that plays into latex like I love like rubber doll stuff Okay. Oh, say more. Say more. Yeah, like full body latex, like hood, like full cat suit, like everything. They, I love that. And just kind of like being like a little doll. Can you get into your latex by yourself? Let's switch to latex for a second. Details. <laughs> when did you get into it? What do you have? What do you like? What do you want? How do you clean it? Oh my gosh, the cleaning. Okay. So I have a few pieces, something that I don't have that... I would really like to, so I don't actually have like a full body. Currently, I don't have one and I really want one. I want like the full, like I found this website. I think it comes from Germany, but they'll do it like specific to your measurements, like full body with like, you know, openings, like zippers for whatever you might need, you know. But right now I have, I have a few pieces. I have a 
like a bodysuit. I have like a bra and a thong. I have a hood with like open eyes and open mouth. I have gloves. Gloves are fun. Some of my favorite things that I've done with latex were like wearing the hood and wearing gloves and using the gloves to like pleasure the other person and like giving oral with the hood and like getting all messy and like, yeah. Wow. Yes. (laughs) But I think I got into latex sometime within the last 10 years. Okay. It's something that I don't do very often because it takes a lot of time. Well, I I think you have to have time. Yeah. Okay. So I think about latex and I'm like, I want to explore latex, but here's my fantasy. I would like a latex lady in waiting to help me get in and out of it. I already struggle putting on regular clothes, like anything with sleeves. Like I almost always dress like this. I'm wearing a sports bra. Like I'm wearing, you know, like the less clothes, the better for me. But I love sensation and constriction and all those feelings. And I have been in a vac bed and really liked it. So but I, I love the idea of like, you know, ceremonially doing it and engaging with partners who are really deeply going to appreciate it. Like that to me makes it feel yeah. worth all the effort. That's so cool. I agree. Yeah. I would love to find somebody too like that who it's basically in some contexts is, is like considered a sub, like mm-hmm. somebody who helps dress you in your latex and, and like shines your latex for you. And like, I would love somebody to do that and cleans it because the cleaning process is not my favorite but it's like cleaning it's like washing your lingerie or anything it's just its own little thing you do what was your first latex piece I think it was a dress okay so I have this dress that is like a skin colored transparent latex yeah it's really cool (sighs) yeah so I think that was my first piece but then I was kind of like I like it but felt more like for fashion because it's a dress. Okay. And I was like, I want like panties and I want yeah. like a bra and I want to start. So that's when I started to buy like all the other stuff. <laughs> so when did you realize you were pansexual and when did you start to explore sex work? So I think I knew from a very young age that I liked all genders. Hmm. When I was like in kindergarten, I had a boyfriend and a girlfriend. Yeah, cute. <laughs> but you know, you're in kindergarten, but like. Uh, yeah. Well, in kindergarten, I had three husbands, like three future husbands. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like, but we like all like dated and like hung out on the playground together, you know, but like okay. we would just like sit there and like hold hands and That's that was so us dating. Okay. It's really cute. You know, I think I always knew I was attracted to women and just anyone in general because I remember as I was being exposed to all different media and stuff. And I would just like have feelings towards like different characters and movies or TV. Yeah. So I think I always knew. And then it wasn't until after high school that I was really introduced to just like different genders outside of cisgender. And that's when I really started to realize like, Oh, like I like everybody. Like, I'm attracted to all genders. And, like, I like, you know, if I just think somebody's hot, I think they're hot, you know? Yeah. It's so funny. Attraction is, like, I'll just be attracted to somebody because, like, the way that they talk or, like, their confidence. So, it's, like, so for me, it's never been about gender. I don't know. Same. It's Same. just about. I get attracted to energies. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and I've dated almost every gender. No. There's too many genders, but I've dated a lot of genders. <laughs> yeah. Dated a lot of different genders, people with different genders. And then the other question was about, oh, sex work. Yeah, yeah. 
I was, I think from also same, when I was very young, I was exposed to a lot of media where there were sex workers. Mm. And I don't think I like knew in like my consciousness, but maybe like subconsciously, I was very attracted to that. But I didn't really know what it was. So the first time I ever did sex work was 10 years ago. And I was in college and I needed to pay my rent. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and I was at the University of Florida and I was pre-veterinary. So I was taking very extensive courses and lots of science and lots of lots of studying. And I barely had time to work. So I started camming. So I was on my free cams okay. way back in the yeah. day. <laughs> and that was the first time that I ever, you know, because back then it was like they paid you every two weeks. So you get like a payout every two weeks. And I remember at the end of my first two weeks of camming, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, that's like for me, like <laughs> that amount of money is for me. <laughs> and I was just very excited about it. But back then I did not have the knowledge that I have now, nor the business knowledge or anything like that. So I very quickly fell off and stopped doing it. But then since then, I've just been in and out. And it wasn't until I moved to Chicago from Florida that I started to do it full time. So I started out in a strip club. I worked at a Rick's Cabaret. (laughs) (gasps) Okay. What was that like? It was interesting. Is it a chain? The way you said it, is it? It is a chain. Yeah, there's several. There's one in New York. I know that. Okay. That was my first experience with like in person, like being in person and doing that. It was a lot of work. It was really hard work. It was like 12 hour shifts in like eight inch pleaser heels, wearing next to nothing in freezing cold clubs, you know, (laughs) but it was fun. I really loved like getting up on stage and dancing. And for me, what made me realize and led me to where I am now is that my strongest asset when I worked there was conversation. Mm. So a lot of the connections I made and a lot of the success I had was through like sitting down across from somebody and like having a really good conversation and connecting with them. So I wasn't the best dancer. So I really put all my skill set into my conversation. Yeah. (laughs) Then at the same time, I was also kind of dabbling into more like kink fetish stuff. And I tried to get an apprenticeship at a dungeon because I thought maybe that's something I'd want to do. It's not something I have a lot of experience with. And for me, I just don't feel comfortable doing a lot of like dominant things or anything like that without the professional teaching. Cause I was just like, I don't want to hurt anybody. Like, you know, you could really hurt someone if you don't know what you're doing. And I wanted to know what I was doing. So I would work foot fetish parties. That's how I first started. Yeah. What is that like? It was fun. I liked it. So it would be like a set day time, whatever you'd show up and basically it would kind of just be like, feel like a normal type of gathering ish party. And if somebody decided that they liked you or you talked and they hit it off, or sometimes you won't even talk at all, they'll just approach you and they'll just be like, I'd like to do like a session with you. So you'd go and do like a short session and everyone had different things that they wanted. So sometimes they would just want to like hold and caress your feet or like suck on your toes or whatever. I would also have some people who were like into trampling. 
So I would have people who had wanted me to like trample them with my feet. And I was just like, that was the first time I ever did it. And I was like, oh, this is fine. I don't, I don't know. I love <laughs> I'm afraid that. I'm hurting you, but it's fine. <laughs> so cool. Shoes off or shoes on? Oh, I actually did both. Both. Okay. Fun. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was some interesting experiences. Like there were a lot of people who really liked hosiery. So I'd always wear like, you know, stockings or, you know, tights or whatever. And they'd like that with the feet. And they'd, you know, yeah, it was a lot of fun. But I soon realized that dom work wasn't for me. So I stopped doing that. Yeah, yeah. But the foot fetish parties were really fun. (laughs) I've also learned in the professional world that there are some very shitty submissive clients out there that are really just boundary pushers. So it's like it's a whole it's a whole thing. But just based on my personal research. Yes, I would definitely agree with you. Obviously, not all of them, but I would definitely yeah. agree that there is, I always say this, and I will say it loud and proud, but I think that, you know, people who are professional doms do way more work, but they charge less yeah. than like an independent escort or whatever because of the clientele. They're greedy little subs. I'm like, oh, you're not a good enough boy to talk to me like that. (laughs) Yeah. So when I realized basically that, I was like, oh, I don't want to do more work for less money. Like it can be really draining. Like a sub comes to you and, you know, they have like a page long checklist of like everything they want you to do in like 30 minutes. And I'd be like, I just know what I would charge for that. You would not be able to afford. (laughs) 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 So very soon after that, I realized that independent companionship existed. Mm. And I was like, oh, I can do that. That sounds really fun. But I didn't know anybody who was doing it. So I basically had to learn everything on my own and kind of just like watch people via the internet. And kind of just like Twitter was a great resource because I would like find other companions on Twitter who were very established, had like a strong following. Um, And, you know, I'd look at their websites and I'd kind of read about their experiences, like whatever they shared on the internet I'd read about. And so that kind of helped me really. And then I finally started to like reach out to people in the industry to like meet them and like befriend them. And not too far into becoming a companion, the pandemic happened. Oh, shit. So I think, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I started companionship in October of 2019. Okay. So March 2020 was when the pandemic hit. So what, less than six months? Yeah. So I was kind of pushed, but that honestly, like, you know, for me that worked because I was kind of like pushed into a space where I could like reflect and be like, oh, like what type of clientele am I attracting currently? And Mm what kind of clientele do I want to attract? Like, does it align? And I realized it didn't align. So I basically did like a full rebrand. And in December of 2020, I debuted as Isabella. Amazing. Yeah. So it'll be three years that I've been Isabella. Yeah. I love that. Wow. She grows every day. <laughs> oh, yay. Beautiful. Literally, Isabella. So I want to ask you this before I get into more details. Do you identify as an exhibitionist? Because we have camming, we have stripping. We're going to get into some OnlyFans stuff maybe, but like, do you feel a thrill from exhibitionism? I do. Yeah, I like it a lot. It feels empowering. It also feels validating. Mm. 
because it feels like people are seeing me. And, you know, it's cool because I love playing with perception. So like they're seeing me, but like, what are they seeing? And like, what am I showing them? And I think that is what excites me about exhibitionism is that it's a performance. So you're conscious of what you're crafting for people. Yeah, it's fun. That's That's very fun. That's the best part of it is like, it feels like this like little playground where I can like perform. I don't know. I grew up as a theater kid. So I think that's where it comes from. (laughs) Totally. For me personally, earlier at the beginning of our interview, when you said the ability to be silly, to have fun, that play, that element of play, like we put on a play when we're fucking or doing kinky stuff, we are playing together as our play partner. I think that that is is so, like for me, that's the funnest thing. I was talking to my mom today on the phone and I was like, I think I just like playful people in all contexts. Like that's how I want to, that's my love language is play. It's not just quality time. It's like I want to spend the quality time playing whatever that looks like, whether I'm doing a photo shoot or fucking someone or playing a game or whatever. Or just being really silly and like dancing down the street. Yeah, it's just fun. Yeah, yeah, when you can just like tap into that and like there's like a shamelessness to it, right? Like you yeah. can be totally comfortable, all the walls can come down and you can just, I don't know, explore. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. If you were listening to this, you are probably like me and you love sex. And you also know that fantastic sex takes more than just a boner. But if that's all that's missing in your connection with your partner, check out bluechew.com. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. You know, that's my favorite. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office. No dealing with the awkwardness that exists because physicians are not often given great guidance about how to talk about sensitive personal things like boner softness, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. With Blue Chew, penis owners everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived. And you know I love a good package. And I have to say, am I allowed to say this? It was very hot when I had a partner who I already had a good, trusting, open relationship. He'd been working on his anxiety, cutting down on screens, meditating, he quit smoking, he started exercising regular, cutting out processed foods, all of that stuff. He was just of a certain age, and I'll just say... The night that he told me he was making his package arrive, it was a very super hot extra layer of turn-on for me personally. So if it's for you, this is a super convenient resource. Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com, chew it, and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Do people know in your life that you're a sex worker? I'm very open about it. Everyone that I'm friends with in my life, they're either also sex workers or they know what I do and are totally accepting of it. My mother knows. (laughs) It's been two years since I told her. Well, rather, she made me tell her. Oh, really? (laughs) Can you share that story? Is that comfy? Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll share it with you. So <laughs> almost two years ago, so Thanksgiving two years ago, she came up for a full week 
and stayed with me. And prior to the trip, I had already planned to tell her. I was like, this is it. This is what I'm going to tell her. But we have a whole week together and it's also a holiday. So my plan was I was going to wait to the end of the trip because I was like, well, you know, if it goes wrong, at least, you know, the next day, the next morning or whatever it is, she's leaving and she'll be out of my hair, you know, in case it goes bad. (laughs) But literally she got in. I picked her up from the airport. She came over to my house and like sat down on the couch and I sat down with her and she just like immediately was like, so what are you like actually doing? Like (sighs) what? Yeah. And I was like, (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. I guess you are my mother. (laughs) She's like, daughter, I do not buy your cover story. (laughs) Yeah. I think at the time I was telling her that I was like in consulting and that I did social media marketing. Well, and so that I would like untrue exactly, but it is true because <laughs> yeah. I do social media and I yeah. market. So I was like, it's true. It's just her, she thinks I'm marketing for like Lexus or something. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, and I would say every client you have, you are a consultant. Like you are helping their creative life. Yeah. you know, in the deepest way. Yes, it is oh, very wow. true. So how did she take it? What did she say? And how did you say it? Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to pull it from the deepest part of my brain. I was like in my head I was like oh sh- oh shit, like I have to tell her now. I was going to wait a week, but I guess I have to tell her now. And I was just like, "Listen, so I'm a sex worker." And you know, like and then I got really specific about what kind of sex work. And she was just like, "Okay." She's got a very good poker face. So she was just like, yeah, no, no reaction. She's really good at having like a, you know, you can't tell how she's actually feeling. I get that from her because I'm also like that. I'm like very good at like, sometimes I am. And sometimes it really, I think it depends. But when I am good at it, it reminds me, I'm like, oh, I get it from her. But so she wasn't reacting. And I was like, well, at least she's not reacting. Because, you know, she could be blowing up right now and she's she's not. So that's good. And she kind of was like, I think she just asked me like, well, what does that mean? And then so I just explained, you know, like, so this is what I do. Like, you know, people hire me to go on dates with them and I go out to dinner with them or go on trips with them. Or, you know, I obviously like judged it up a bit. I didn't really talk specifically about maybe the parts she didn't want to hear. But I, you know, I, I glamorized it a little bit because I don't want her to have to worry because I think in her head she is going to go to like the worst case scenario or you know whatever that is and so I told her about that I told her about like the specific things I do and told her about like the type of people I see and like the things that they do for me and then I think what really was like she felt good was I told her how much money I make yes yes (laughs) and she was like oh okay Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> and isn't it interesting how it makes such a big difference for people, those price differences? It does. Yeah. I'm very aware of how privileged I am and like what a privileged thing it is to say that like, you know, my mom accepted it. And I do recognize the fact that probably 90% of the reason why she accepted it is because of how much money I made. Right. Right. You know, and not everyone gets to say that or have that experience. But yeah, and then, you know, I also told her like about like, you know, the amazing experiences I experienced, which is also tied into the same thing and like gifts people get me and, 
you know, like very early on into my career, somebody gifted me a car. (gasps) And so when I got the car, I had to explain to her before she knew what I did, how I got the car. And that's why I was like, oh, that's a client. When I was like a marketing, when she thought I was like a consultant, I was like, oh, it was part of our contract. Like I got, I got a car along with like my payment for like marketing their social media. And like, she didn't really think anything of it, I guess. I don't know. She probably didn't understand any of it. But so then I had to be like, oh, like, you know, that car I got that I said I got this way, it was actually a gift from a client and what I actually do. And she was like, oh, and I was like, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exciting. And also, I think this is also in privilege as well, is that, you know, I think when she knew that I was independent, I think that also, because I think in her head, she was already suspecting that I was doing this. But I think her image in her head was more so of what gets depicted in media. She was like, oh, it's much different than I thought it was. And I was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, there's so many different types of sex work that you could do. And there's so many different ways you can do it. And none of them are wrong, you know, like. It's what works for you. So that's totally true. Also, I think it's just beautiful when people who are in positions of privilege can come out and be the forerunners of normalization, because I think that is the responsibility that comes with privilege. You know, if I find myself in that, like I'm not full of shame. I have the gifts I do as an artist. I have the level of horniness that I have. So for me, it's exciting to want to touch people and to do things where I'm turned on all the time. So Could you give us a little like snapshot overview of like a day in the life or whatever makes sense? Because I'm sure your days are very different, but like day, week, month, like what's the flavor of your life like? Yeah, it's okay. So I have so much free time. Okay. And that's one of the things I love about what I do is that I'm not clocking in for a nine to five every day. Maybe some days when I'm doing a lot of computer work, it might feel that way, but I'm constantly reminding myself like how blessed I am and like being like grateful for like everything I have and everything I've built for myself. A lot of my experiences are, I have a lot of travel. So pretty much every month I'm traveling, sometimes more than others. So I will on average spend about a week away from home every month. In July, I spent an entire month away. I went to (gasps) Europe. Fine. for the whole month. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. yeah, and just like I think a lot of my day-to-day is getting to take in such beautiful things and experience enriching things and you know food, museums, new sites, new places. And when I'm not traveling, I am here, nestled up with my kitties, reading a book, listening to good music, (laughs) going for walks, just doing like the normal maintenance stuff. And then I get whisked away by somebody special who takes me to a fine restaurant or a beautiful city or, you know. Amazing. And can you tell us a little bit about like OnlyFans collaborations too? Because you said you've been doing some OnlyFans both solo and a little bit of collab, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've actually had an OnlyFans account for about two years now, maybe a little bit longer. And so right now I kind of just focus it on a place where people can further connect with me Mm because a lot of people find me you know, from maybe like an ad site or my social media or whatever it is. And I look at it as a way for people to get to know me a little bit better and have that one-on-one conversation that they're probably 
wanting to have with me. So that's always fun. I get to talk to a lot of people and I do a lot of sexting on there, which is fun. Yeah, it's very hot. Yeah. (laughs) I get to do a lot of solo videos, which I really enjoy. And I have a trusted partner in my life that I collab with. So that's who I collab with for my content currently. I've collabed with people in the industry before. I've worked with Jamie Wolf, who is a content creator in Chicago as well. And it was great to work with him. I'll probably work with him again. And we've stayed friends since then. We hang out all the time. But I am looking to kind of expand and collab with more people. It's just not something that I'm familiar with. So I'm like slowly dipping my feet into it, but trying to reach out to some people, maybe some girl collabs or guys. Yeah. All the fun stuff. I want to do all of it. Same, 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 same. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about boundaries? How do you set them? How do you hold them? Do you ever have issues with them? How do you think of work life versus personal life boundaries? Like I would just love to hear kind of like your wisdom there. So boundaries, I feel like setting boundaries in like sexual settings is very easy to me. I want communication and I want to have a space for me to communicate as well. And I want the other person to do that. And usually I find that we just have those conversations beforehand, like especially in like a collaboration setting. Usually like we sit down and we're just like, what are we creating today? And like, what are the boundaries around that? Like, what are the yeses? What are the no's? You know, so we like kind of just lay it all out. And we also sign release forms. Like it's very like official. And, you know, at any point in the scene, if like something's, you know, off, me or the other person can be like, you know, wait, hold on, you know, stop or whatever. Yeah, I find that through my many years of being sexual, because <laughs> I started very young, um, I've learned how to like really use my voice and how to really be like, oh, I like that. No, I don't mm. like that. Like, you know, or I also have learned the fun, soft version of that, which is how to like lead people away from doing something I don't want them to do without them knowing. And I, for the sake of this particular podcast, I'm sorry, I will not share how. <laughs> Just because I don't want <laughs> to want people to know when I'm doing it. Can I tell people what I do in, instead? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've been practicing because this is this is the whole reason the podcast exists for me because my early origins with sex, I was so abrasive in my language. Like I'm constantly working on my communication. And when I'm confused or caught off guard, I lose my ability to be like friendly, soft, and gentle. And I get really pokey and hard and I hear and my voice sounds like this and I can't mask anymore. You know, like so I like don't have bandwidth. But I've learned to be like, ooh, do this. And I just redirect them toward a nipple or something else. Or if it's like I have a really, really, really sensitive clit. So if anyone goes directly for it, especially if it's like with one or two fingers and it's right on it, I'll just grab their hand and I'll start using them like a toy. And I'll be like, this feels good. Do that. You know, and so I've been finding ways to do that without ever telling them a no. And so just using positive reinforcement, I've really been able to like invite people where it's like not even, and and same for like with boundaries where I'm just like, okay, you're going to help me make sure this condom stays on, you know, which is what I do, you know, because I did get stealthed early on and now I want to see the verbal confirmation. And it's just like in this negotiation book I read where they're like, yeah, sometimes we do get the terrorists to make a promise before we give money for the kidnapping, you know? And so I'm like, you're going to help me keep this condom on, right? Now you're my hero, you know, so creative. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, yes. I'll throw that yeah. out there. That's what I do. Mine are similar. Yeah, like definitely guiding people to where if, you know, if someone's doing something and maybe it's a little too rough, it's like yeah. guiding them to, you know, or like actually like this, you know, like, yeah. or I like this or yeah. 
It seems obvious to me now, but it literally took me over a decade of being sexually active to practice. And also nobody told me, you know, like, that's why I'm like, oh, if only there'd been emotional context in our sex ed lessons. Yes. Would have been nice. (laughs) Yeah. With clients, like dating clients or anything, do you ever have to sort of like get weird about boundaries there? Or do you tend to just attract sweetie pies and you're really good at selecting? I think at this point in my career, I am towards the latter where I'm, you know, I kind of only attract the sweeties. And I think at this point, I've learned how to put myself out there in a way that attracts exactly what I want. And I get all the sweeties, you know, you know, before when I was kind of still learning everything and, you know, maybe not meeting people who were like compatible with me, boundaries were like very important, just kind of being like, you know, there's been, you know, very early on in what I did, there were a lot of times where I had to be like, actually like, no, can you leave? Like, I just don't. Good for you. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes it's not, sometimes it doesn't feel like you can do that, but sometimes, you know, you can, you have to read the room and sometimes you can be like, oh, actually you can go. Like, I don't want to do this, (laughs) you know? So it's just like learning to like find your voice and to be comfortable. And I think through finding out how to portray myself over the internet, which is so weird, that could be a whole nother discussion, like just Mm -hmm. the internet and Yeah. So in learning how to like really do that, I've been able to only bring exactly what I want. So that's been great. Okay. I would love if you're comfortable to hear just a few details about the physical sensations that your body enjoys the most. Ooh. Okay. I love soft caressing. Mm. I love when someone like takes their hands and their fingers and they just kind of like, you know, like lightly touch different parts of my body like Mm -hmm. while we're kissing or while we're cuddling or while we're like whenever like I love the way that feels yeah and kissing just anywhere I love kissing all over my body it feels really nice using your tongue for different things like I love the way that feels just any sort of like sensory I don't know I love it all (laughs) Um, (laughs) anything like really soft like that feels really good and I am very sensitive in my nipples and my clitoris too like you mentioned you're very sensitive so like I'm very like gentle (laughs) be gentle with them my nipples are pierced so it goes either way like you get your nipples pierced and it can like heighten sensitivity or kind of dull it I've heard both yeah for me it heightened it so now I'm just like you gotta be very like I love it It I like I love the way it feels and I love having that happen but I want it to be very like gentle my nipples are not sensitive at all. So I'm like, maybe I should go get them pierced. I'd probably like maybe, it. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you'd probably like it. I got mine pierced like about 10 years ago. And getting the piercing itself is not for the faint of heart. Yeah. But the payout after they heal is very nice. <laughs> okay, this might not even be in your purview. But like, have you played with nipple clamps? Can you do that with piercings? You can. I've used a nipple clamp like on the actual piercing and it hurts really bad because it's like metal on yeah yeah yeah, no 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 so sometimes i've used nipple clamps and i've just taken out my jewelry to play with the nipple clamps oh that makes sense or i've done it where you clamp it like behind the piercing like closer in so it's not actually on the metal so there's ways you could do (laughs) going back to what you said about tongues and licking do you like tongues and licking in or on or around your ears (laughs) <laughs> okay, because I find that people are very hit or miss. For me, it depends on the day. And again, it depends on my arousal level. And it depends on my relationship to the person. 
I was going to say, I think it really depends on who I'm with. Yeah. With long-term partners that I feel very comfortable with, yes. But if I were to just be like having sex with someone for the first time Same. and they went to go like lick my ear, I'd be like, yeah, I yeah. would like have like a weird aversion. I would be like, cause it would like just be like, <laughs> totally. And it's, it's one of those things that for me, if it happens before I'm turned on enough, then I have a yuck response to it, especially if it's a stranger who's like going there first. So I actually make boundaries around that. And I actually tell them, I'm like, if you do this, I'll probably scream at you and it'll feel gross to you. So like, you know, you have to kind of get me worked up to a certain point. <laughs> yeah. I would say there's a lot of things that I like but if I'm not aroused enough, they actually yuck me like an ick. I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. I would love to hear what cultural sex-related wisdom you have gained through your work over the years. Like, like, do you have broad noticings about like our society and sex that feel salient? Oh, yeah. I will say through doing sex work – I have become so much more aware of how our society works and how sex plays into our society and how, you know, relationships are. Because with what I do, I see so much that the average person doesn't see. I see a lot of bids for connection and a lot of loneliness and a lot of isolation. And I think that's something that is part of the human condition. I think it's always been there. But I will say that in the age of technology, it has become more extreme. It has like escalated much past maybe where it should be. Because I see a lot of people being really connected virtually, but feeling really alone. And I also see a lot of opportunities for people to expand on interpersonal relationship skills and the different ways people see and interact in relationships is not something I think I would have seen if I wasn't doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Because I do get a lot of people who seek me out who are married or who are in relationships. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a place of like no judgment, but it is just interesting to see how people respond to different dynamics within their personal life and their personal relationships and how they cope with it yeah. and how they kind of get what they need. We all need similar things, but like how they go about getting those things. I relate to that so hard. It's so interesting, actually. I think what started me down the path of sex work was this podcast because I started to get just a slew of messages from married men who I'm their like secret little podcast and their wife can't know they listen. And I'm like, I'm a podcaster. What? Yeah, why not? Yeah. I'm not a free companion. And I'm like, actually, go listen to it with your wife. And maybe, it'll, you know, I have many people who write to me that say they listen with their partners and that opens stuff up. And so once I started to kind of like realize the imbalance of the energy exchange that was being requested, I'm like, well, I'm not a free podcast mistress, but like, I do love intimacy and companionship and clarity. And so that kind of, you know, but now I sort of have to be like, oh, sorry, no, um, I am a sex worker. So, okay, if you want intimacy, like that's an offering. That's an offering. It's not yes, a free offering. Of course. Yes, of course. Yeah. I do like that you mentioned couples listening to your podcast together because I find a lot of things like people listening to your podcast and being like, I have to keep this from my wife for whatever reason. It's just interesting to me because for that, from my observation, it feels like that is coming from a place of shame yeah. and insecurity and just kind of being afraid to be vulnerable with your partner. But like, mm -hmm. how are you going to 
have a relationship that's meaningful if you're not willing to be vulnerable and like, hey, like, these are things I like, or like, I listen to this podcast, don't judge me, please, you know, like, whatever it is, like, I would love it if like, I was dating someone, and they're like, I'm listening to YLEs, like, I would be like, cool, let's listen to it. I know, know. I'm like, I want someone to like, listen to these things, and then talk about what it inspires on our bucket list, and cross them off with me. Yes, yeah, Yeah, I want to make a list. I'm such like an intellectual, like, I want to like, know, like, all these things about other people. Like Same. I like to know things and like to my detriment, like I'm such a sleuth. So Oh my God, I know. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that so hard. I'm like, is it possible to be too curious? Maybe I might be too curious now. I am too curious. <laughs> I like to know. <laughs> okay. So on that note though, what do you want to explore going forward in your own personal sex life? Okay. So there's something I've wanted to do for a really long time. I want to have a mfm threesome i want to be dp'd (laughs) (laughs) this is something i've wanted to do for like years literally years and okay so i have a lot of funny stories sort of sad but mostly funny about me trying to achieve this and something always going wrong so i've tried to do this like actually tried to do this like you know organizing the whole Yeah. Yeah. And something just always goes wrong and then it doesn't happen. Like what? So I had a foursome years ago. This was a few years ago. And it was me, another girl and two guys. And one of the guys was my partner at the time. So him and I were in a monogamous relationship and we like had a conversation and decided to do this thing together. And so we organized it and we all met at a hotel. Like it was really cute. And like, yeah, we just got a hotel room. And prior to the night, we all had like a little group chat that we were texting in. And we were like, you know, like, what are things that we like definitely want to do so that we do them? Like we want to make sure that everyone, you know, gets their little fantasy box checked, you know, whatever it is. So the other girl was like, I really want to be spit roasted. And we were like, cool. It's going to happen. And then I was like, I would also like that. And I would also like to be DP'd. And everyone was like, cool, we're going to do it. (laughs) So basically what happened is we got there. Everything was good. Everything was like, you know, going well. The other guy who wasn't my partner is a friend of mine who I've been sexually intimate with throughout the years, you know, just like a friend. And so he was having some trouble getting hard at first, but then it all got sorted and things were happening. Things were going. We checked off the spit roasting for everybody. You know, we did it. It was great. It was very hot. And there was a moment when the DP was supposed to happen. So I had a butt plug in. I was like getting ready. And then I took the butt plug out and I went on top of the guy who was my friend, not my partner. And my partner was supposed to come from behind Uh for my butt and out of nowhere he just did not and started to have sex with the other girl (gasps) yeah (laughs) and so I didn't disclose this but there was another point earlier in the night where a similar theme occurred where it was like something was supposed to happen with me, but he like decided to do something with her instead. So it started, it started to feel a little like, you know? Yeah, I do. (laughs) And so at that point, I think I was like, okay, 
I'm get, I can feel myself getting emotional. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this is like, cause it's not just like a sexual scenario. It's also my partner. And this yeah. is the first time that we're doing this. And so I was like, Oh, I think I need to. So I ended up leaving. Okay. And I was like, we should go home. <laughs> cause I was just like, so I think at that point I was like, it didn't happen. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Yes. And then there has been other silly scenarios where like, I thought I found two because it's hard to organize. It's hard to get two men in the same the right room. chemistry. And I, and I don't want to just do it. I want it to be like good. Yeah, you know? yeah. I want it to be fun and good. So it's been like difficult to find two people with penises who are ready okay. to. And then there's no weird, you know, one person isn't like, oh, I don't want, what if our dicks touch? And I'm like, good, touch them. Yeah, like, I'm like, like bring me the bisexual like, people who want to fuck me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, put them together. <laughs> so like, is that so bad? Like, enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One day, I'm manifesting it. It's in our futures for sure. I think we have yes. spoken it aloud yeah, sure. and, and so it is. <laughs> for the both of us, yes. That's something that I'm really looking forward to exploring. I love that. Okay. So what are you most excited about in your work going forward? So something that I'm excited about is I will be expanding more on my OnlyFans and kind of taking a deeper dive into different things that I can do on there. I just feel like the boundaries around what I can do in like a professional production setting is like so different than what I would experience in my personal life. So I'm excited to kind of like push with that and like see what those boundaries are and like see what cool stuff I can create. I get really inspired by people who have this like artistic approach to porn like a four-chambered heart, like things like that. I love like people who get really creative. It doesn't have to be like you know, like to that degree, like a chambered heart is like, so I love it. It's so artsy and like beautiful and like aesthetic, but like just any sort of creativity, like whatever that looks like. I don't come from a background of like any sort of like video experience like working but I did go to film school and Uh, I was a photographer photography has been my like fallback job my whole uh, life so just saying that's in my future is erotic content that is also uh, always has an educational bent to it because that's what I do uh, I love that okay because that's stuff that I would like to eventually play around with yeah that's very fun but it's like interesting because I don't come from that background so I don't have maybe like the skill set that you know you would have or like someone else would have so I find a lot of the times my only fans I mean I think I do a pretty good job like when I put full effort and I like you know film a boy girl video or like film a full it's got like a concept it's got you know it's like what you might find on a website somewhere there's like plot point sort of you know (laughs) yeah but I want to expand on that more and get more creative So that's what I'm excited for. Oh, I fucking love that. Okay. If you could wave a magic wand and teach everyone in the world something about sex, what would it be? Have fun. It's fun. There's no beginning, middle, end. You know, it's not like we're reaching this goal. Yeah. You know, it's like we're having fun. We're playing. We're exploring. We're getting creative. We're connecting. I think people, I would love to just like teach everybody that. Like it's about connection. Beautiful. This might seem redundant now, but, and of course, knowing that life is perfect the way it already unfolded, if you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sex advice, what age would you pick and what would you say? I think I would go back to 
before I had sex, so probably like at the age of 12-ish. And I would probably say two things. I would talk about consent and the ability to say no and when you have a gut feeling about something to go with it. And then I think I would also say you have a lot of power and you should use it. You should use it a little, have a little fun, be more bold, be more, I guess, in control of you know what you get from those experiences and not letting people take so much, you know? Beautiful. Lastly, a fantasy brainstorm. If you had an unlimited budget to build a very sexy playroom or house or castle or whatever building you choose for yourself to represent Isabella Bloom, what would it be like? Oh my gosh. Well, can I have like, I want like seven. I want, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have so many different. <laughs> the more <Okay>. the merrier. <laughs> okay. Well, I have like, I guess I have, okay, I'll just go with one. I want it to be kind of like this like fairy tale cottage dream house. And I want there to be like lots of land and lots of beautiful like plants and forest and water and there to be a lot of places. I just basically want to have sex outside. Me too. I just want this question exists because I want to create a giant pleasure palace and I'm just like (laughs) taking notes to make sure that I like accommodate people's (laughs) desires. That's the ultimate goal. Yeah. So I think just having this kind of like dream land of like everything is just so simple and connected to nature and just having like a place to just explore yourself and other people. And you don't have to wonder if somebody's in the woods somewhere watching you unless, unless, unless that's the agreement, (laughs) unless you want them there. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Lovers, you can find Isabella on the internet, on Twitter, at Date Isabella, on Instagram, at The Isabella Bloom, at www.theisabellabloom.com. All those links are in the description below. Isabella, thank you so much for being a guest on Sex Stories. Thank you for having me. It was amazing. <laughs> ah, mm, The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com. We make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.